Hello, everybody. It's time for another Saundo and Renders Witter Series podcast. Without any further ado, the great man's here, back to full rat power. Dan Saunders, good evening. G'day, Renders. How are you going? I'm extremely well. A bit weary. Things are very busy at the moment, as they always are. Um, we have a very special guest, and Dan, we'll just change the 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 the, the scenario a, a little bit here. Dan, please introduce our special guest. Yeah. Well, how long have I got? This is the Dan Saunders and one other podcast. It's you yeah. can do whatever you like. Uh, look, uh, look, it gives, gives me a great pleasure to uh, introduce our guest for this week. Uh, this gentleman's been involved in Newcastle cricketing circles for well over 40 years. Um, he's the current president of the Newcastle City and Suburban Umpires Association. Um, recently made life member of the Newcastle City and Suburban Cricket Association and also life member of the Newcastle Junior Cricket Association. Uh, wherever there's a game of social cricket in Newcastle, they need an umpire. This guy is there. And if not, he's organised those people to be there. A very warm welcome to Alf Ellison. Thanks very much, guys. It's a great pleasure to be here. It's wonderful to have you here. It really is. It's a real privilege for both of us. Alf, um, I suppose let's go back to the start. Um, where do you come from and where did you play your junior cricket? What did you um, talk us about your playing and the transition into umpiring? Um, I didn't play junior cricket, only apart from I started at Glendale Public in about, um, I started there in 1960, probably 64, 65, 66, we played cricket. I went on to Walton High and I got in the, in the boys' cricket team. There's a couple of really good cricketers there. One that, uh, two guys that run it was John Hipwell. Yep, John <laughs> Hipwell. And the other guy, Kerry Thompson. Yeah, he did all right for himself. My word. He's our final wicket keeper. Yeah. Walls and legend. Oh, oh, can, can, I, can I just ask a question? Part, yep. I'm not from Newcastle. Are you referring to the John Hipwell? Yeah. 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 He went Play, to Walls and Yeah. Played rugby union for Australia. Yes, he died a few years ago. Yeah. When, when I first, uh, I think when I was in first form, he was in, he was, he was in sixth form. Um, Dan, Dan, you might you're a bit too young to remember this, but John Hipwell was halfback when Australia destroyed a New Zealand at Eden Park in the late nineteen seventies, and Greg Cornelson scored four tries in the one match. And jo John Hipwell was a superb footballer, absolute wasn't he, Alf? He was just a magnificent player. Yeah, lovely bloke too. Um, I think he was eighteen when he started representing, and his his uh, sister Marcia was in all of my classes at Wallsend High. Um, and where did John Hipwell play his club rugby in Newcastle, pardon my ignorance? Oh, I'm not quite sure. You know, I, I, I'm familiar with him because I'm a, a Walls End boy myself. So, yeah. obviously, I mean, you think of Walls End, you think of John Hipwell, I think of Bob Frame of soccer and Greg oh, Geese. As, well, you know, Greg Geese with cricket. But, yeah, no, yeah. That, sorry, I'm, pardon my ignorance. I, I'm a 68 baby and I grew up watching what next to my father, who was a good rugby player, watching Australia get belted by New Zealand. And all of a sudden, there's this extraordinary performance at Eden Park. And, yeah, uh, yeah Hipwell was the halfback. So, oh, that's fascinating. So, sorry, go ahead. I'm just, it's fascinating. Uh, Dan said that you had a million stories and there we go. John Hipwell's the first one we talk about. Yeah, well, this could go on for 25 years like the days of our lives. Sorry, I'm going to tell you. But I started in 1980 after I met Peter Hiskins at the, um, in the machine shop, the BHP. I was working seven-day roster. He was working day work. And every few weeks we'd run into each other and he kept trying to talk me into coming playing cricket for Cardiff. So September of 1980, I signed up for Cardiff. 
I played for them for the first year. Then as from the second year on, I became, I became wicketkeeper batsman. And I had uh, 16 seasons with um, Cardiff. Uh, our last season um, was in 1996. After that, we folded. We played at Fay and Oval at Warners Bay, or it was called Seaman Oval. Seaman yeah, Oval yeah, it yeah. was called Seaman Oval then, yeah. Against Dora Creek. Dora Creek, uh, we batted first. We were all out for 67. Now, this particular day, I didn't go behind the stumps. Uh, one, of, one of our other players, Ken Grace, went behind the stumps. And uh, Dora Creek was none for 35. Then I got a run out. Then we were getting, we were getting them out, out, out. They were nine for 64. <laughs> they hit a three, which tied the match. The umpires called one short. So it was 67, 66. The next ball, young Ben Vernon bowled, bowled the ball. He was only a 15-year-old kid, caught and bowled. Wow. So we won 67, 66, and then Carter fouled. And then the same year, um, my brother-in-law was an ex-player, Ray Delaney. He talked me into coming to the Umpires Association. I missed the first game of umpiring in October, but ever since then, um, 27 years I've been umpiring and, and probably 25 and a half years A-grade. Sensational. Tell me, is Peter Hiskins Austin Hiskins' grandfather? Peter Hiskins is Austin Hiskins. Um, Austin Hiskins' father is Andrew. When I started playing with Cardiff, he was in our team. And Andrew and me have got the same birthday. Andrew was 11 and I was 25. So uh, Peter is uh, Andrew's cousin. Ah, okay. Because I saw, I was doing a bit of research on you and I saw you made a lovely comment about Oscar Hiskins on a Newcastle Facebook page because he'd been okay. playing terrific representative cricket. So uh, I, as yeah. soon as you mentioned Hiskins, I'm thinking, okay, there's a connection there with Alf. So. Yeah. Look, we played one game at Federal Park in about 1981 too. There was old Pop Hiskins, his two sons that recently died about oh, probably seven years ago, Alan, Alan James and, and uh, Arthur George. There was Daryl Hiskins, Robert Hiskins, Jeff Hiskins, Peter Hiskins, Andrew Hiskins, Caroline Hiskins, and I think it was me and Ray Delaney. I took three catches behind the stumps, but in the paper, of course, it read, Bold Hiskins, Court Hiskins, <laughs> Bold Hiskins, Court Hiskins. They were a great, a great cricketing team, the Hiskins, and... Um, Austin and his, also his sister Alia are um, continuing the, uh, the Hiskins name in Newcastle cricket. Wonderful. I'm going to go to the modern, if you don't mind, um, for both of you. But Alfie, if I could ask you first, and Dan, could you please weigh in? Because I think this is one of the biggest stories in cricket in, I would reckon, half a decade at least. Um, Alf, your thoughts on the Alex Carey stumping on Johnny Bairstow and the Ashes the, uh, the other night, please. I know what the laws are. Um, uh, I know what the law is, but I just want to get, get your thoughts, please, as this extraordinarily vastly experienced and a leader of umpires. What are your thoughts, please? Look, I've got to say, when I first saw it, I thought, what's going on here? That's I thought it was bad sportsmanship. And I'm sure if I was umpiring, um, as everyone knows, when I'm umpiring, uh, as soon as the ball's dead, I'll call... Uh, over straight away that that wasn't done but in the rules uh, and we've seen photos ever since of um, Bairstow doing the same thing so I guess rules wise it's out but in my own head I, I think it's it's bad sportsmanship but um, rule wise it's it's actually a wicket. Saundo? Yeah it's one of those things that needs to be looked at in the true context when it initially happened, and only seeing obviously that side-on view, I, I thought, "Oh, crikey, this is going to blow up." This is yeah, the, 
you know, the, the Sam Papergate and all the cheating comments from that. This is going to be take over. Once I'd gotten to see it from behind Kerry and could see that it was one motion, yeah. um, there wasn't time for the ball to be called then. And then, of course, the days after it, like seeing Bairstow do it to Lorbachain, seeing McCullum do it to Chris Shrekant, um, no, no, sorry, McCullum did it to... He did it to Murali. Murali, sorry. I did see something else. Sangakara had made a century. I think it was at the Basin Reserve in Wellington. And Murali, it might have been even in Sri Lanka. And Murali rushed down the pitch to congratulate him and McCullum rang him out. Yeah, and, and then the one that topped me was seeing De Grandhome get hit on the leg last year against um, England, and Ali Pope threw the ball in from point through the stump stand like he was injured. And I thought, well, in context, you you know, in, in court, you know, when they're asking questions, they say, well, you've opened the door, so that line of questioning is okay. It's a common cricketing play by England. It's not a one-off. And in context, Australia, um, and, and if you go back through the over, three balls previous bear so did the exact same thing and to to me it, it borders on arrogance i mean that ball that he was stumped on he's ducked that it's gone over his shoulder down the leg side now what if Kerry misses that and goes for four buys do you reckon england claim four buys of course they of course, do of course they do and he wouldn't have known what was going because he hasn't looked back the first time he looks around is once they're all celebrating i, I think also umpiring test cricket the umpire has to make uh, an exact call as to when the ball is dead the umpire's probably seen Kerry take the ball in the same motion, throw it back at the stumps, so he hasn't called over. We well, you saw the umpire so, at, at, at the square leg. He yep. immediately sent it upstairs. Yep. He the umpire, known. the umpire at square leg wasn't watching, gents. He well, was not. He, the umpire at square leg ha, has got his head. Yeah, it's a fast. It's a the whole thing's fascinating. Dan, you'll remember this. We've actually seen that in a Newcastle uh, Grade Grand Final six, 16 months ago at Lynn Oval. The exact same thing happened. Yeah, that's with Hainsworth and Weather. That's right, and that that was that was highly contentious. So, no, no, we'll get back to talking about that. But I just wanted to pick your brains, guys, because it is it's such an interesting thing. And under the laws of cricket, the thirteen people on the field have to all believe that the ball is dead, and Alex Carey did not. And yeah. that's the fundamental part of the law of yeah. cricket as it's written. This spirit of cricket, the last person on earth who should be talking about spirit of cricket, Stuart Broad. Yeah. Yeah. The There's last no, person, okay. He smashed one to slip off a spinner and walked yeah. uh, yeah. and uh, yeah. yeah, but yeah, yeah. Look, that that the longer it's gone on, the worse that's actually looked for England. Yep, Not I Australia. think so. Uh, unless you're the idiot English press and put people like Piers Morgan, well, he can have it himself. Piers Morgan, Alf. Getting back to suburban district cricket, it's been such a an. Uh, a fundamental part of Newcastle of Newcastle's cricketing spectrum for so many years. Give us some really good memories of, of some wonderful innings, bowling performances, grand finals. Just what what are some of the things that in such a long career and a distinguished career, I might add, are there things? Are there are there moments that stick in your mind, Alf? There's quite a few. Um, Next year will be City and Suburban's 102nd year. And it will also, uh, the 23-24 season is the 100th year for the umpires. Now, I've seen lots of grand finals. One that was at Islington A grade. Um, um, who was uh, Merriweather versus Nelson's Bay. Oh. <laughs> uh, Lyle McGuigan. Lyle McGuigan's day. 
He's bowling everything on the off stump, swing, swing it back to middle. I think there was at least four LBWs. Um, I umpired that with um, oh, Stuart Kaiser. Nelson's Bay all out to 35. Um, that was, Lowell McGuigan was just unplayable. But I think the best grand final I've seen uh, at all time was um, over at um, Bill Elliott, Adam Brett. Pretty, yep. 96 not out. Eight for 15. No, you can't beat that in the That's a day out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he's, Pretty still going strong with Merriweather. He's, he's he's just, he was just magnificent. Did you do the grand final at Waratah Oval, uh, Merriweather v. Cricketers Arms, where Tommy Wilmer well, Wiggins took four wickets? Did. I thought you did because I was there. Because I was, I was there. over in the Renner crowd at 13 was, on the drink. It yeah. was Alex, Alex, that was 2016. It was Alex Coburn's yeah. first grand final. So I yep. said to him, okay, mate, you can take the first over. Now, that was, I don't know if I should have done that because. There was the first three balls were three wickets. A little, yeah. a little cool. first ball, Roy Capitale down yeah. the leg side. Roy yeah. Capitale down the leg side, yeah. And that was, oh, everyone's talking to me. Well, I'm a square leg, mate. I can't, I can't give you a nod out. Yeah, there's, there's been a, a few really good grand finals. That was very controversial. And, and when they when they actually won it a couple of years later, Cricketers Arms at Jesmond Park. Mm. Yeah, I was umpiring that one with Phil Northey. 1819. That that was a that was that was a very good. I've done eleven A uh, I've done seven A grade grand finals. One one of the ones that sticks in my mind was two thousand and five, and it's one of the best games I've had because it was my fiftieth birthday. It was Easter Saturday, twenty sixth of March two thousand and five, Dora Creek uh, versus Lampton Bowling Club with Johnny Todd. And when the game was finished, the guys formed two lines. Uh, shook my hand going off, and at the gate to meet me was my two mentors, Kerry Allen and Brian Cameron. Wow, this is special. That was extremely touching, and, and I was very proud of that day. That same day, Al, they are ones, Phoenix V. Walls and Arrow, Walls and Diggers, it is like the Oval. I can tell you why I remember yeah. that date so well. Yeah. So I was on the receiving end of a flog. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's not very often you get to play on Easter Saturday. No, no. Well, back then, yeah, if it had to be used, that was a spare weekend. Yeah, it actually, and it again this year, it's a possibility if there's a backup because Easter's in March. Yep. In, in 24, Easter's in March. In fact, people scheduling cricket seasons this year have got some really interesting decisions. The October long weekend's late. Christmas, uh, the 23rd of December is a Saturday, and there's a there's a March Easter. So getting cricket is going to be very interesting. Yeah. Alf, um, without putting you on the spot, there's been some massive changes in social cricket in Newcastle in the last couple of years. I think it's only right that we get your view on that without making any comment. There is certainly a huge market in Newcastle for one day slash social cricket. Um, how have you seen the last, the evolution of, I hope you don't mind us asking this. How have you seen the evolution of cricket in the last couple of years and what challenges do city and suburban cricket face coming over the next two, three years? Uh, there's been lots of challenges over the last three or four years because we've gone from 150-odd teams and I think down to about 33 this year. Uh, we're now being administrated by Cricket New South Wales. Sharon Beck did it last year and this year it was Sonia Scott who also done, a, done an excellent job, but she's also looking towards the future. Now, this year in Sydney and Suburban, we'll be having Saturday afternoon games. They may be 30 or 35 overs. But we're also introducing Sunday and Tuesday Twilight T20. And I put a, I put a, um, I put this to the board oh, about five or six years ago, the old board, but uh, it was disregarded. 
but uh, it's the way to go for the future of cricket, especially in the in January, where I think all games, Sydney and suburban should be T20 because lots of people are away on holidays, and why can't we arrange? There can be seven, eight, nine aside T20. Uh, there's a lot of players that still want to play, and you don't have to have eleven to show up. So we can still get games on, and results results coming. Look, it sounds, but oh, it sounds very sensible. I mean, Dan and I did an interview a few weeks ago with the NPL, which I know that you're very familiar with. Yeah. And the, the, we've got to get people playing cricket, and the more people playing cricket in whatever t- type, and there is a huge market in women's cricket, in men's cricket as well, for playing the short form of the game. And the thing is. There are so many people who may not have said, listen, I don't want to play 35 hours. I don't want to play 90 hours a day. But a T20 in a twilight, I couldn't think of a better place to be watching T20 cricket in January in Newcastle about five or six o'clock. It'll be a lovely evening. It'll be just, uh, be, it'll be fun. And that's what it's, I think that's what that's about. Well, we have the we have the Premier League of a Friday, Friday over, four games. That's the 15 to your 18 year old kids, boys mainly. Then, then we've got, Saturday morning juniors, Saturday afternoon seniors. So I'll have um, I'll be wanting umpires on Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, Sunday, Monday T20, and Tuesday T20. So uh, we put a thing on the website today. We're looking for more umpires. We we can put them through the test. There's no charge, but we need in in the seniors this year we had ten umpires, and in past years you know we've had twenty or thirty. There's been Three or four people appoint the umpires, but now I'm just doing it all and by and myself. I, and I guess that's the issue with, you know, with all due respect, there's, there's no new blood coming through and, yeah. and the, the ranks are getting more advanced age-wise. As, yeah, you know. well, that's where the old boys brigade now. Even I'm one of the babies. I'm 68. And uh, the youngest the youngest one we got now is um, Callum Gaddies, who signed up this year. I think he just turned 50. And we've got Alan Fraser also this year from district. He's, I think he's 57. And they're the they're the two youngest, and then uh, we've still got Noel Lewis umpiring this year. He's he's about to turn eighty, and we lost three gems last year. Uh, Jimmy uh, Brennan, Jimmy Brennan, Barry Barry Hudson, and Noel Barguana. Uh, Jimmy had seventy five years involvement in Newcastle cricket. Barry had um, thirty five, and Noel thirteen years. Absolute shocks, the three of them, to see them pass away. And that was, uh, you know, and the worst thing is, of all the umpires, they're all absolutely lovely fellas. All family men and uh, real gentlemen. Very sad. Saundo, tell tell, tell us an elf story. Oh, geez. Uh, (laughs) I've got no dirt on the bloke. He's he's too clean. (laughs) Um, Oh, look, I I don't know. I mean, I've, I've... I couldn't count on how many games I've played that else uh, been at one end umpiring. Um, yeah, there's. I mean, umpire's always right, but I, I, nothing comes to mind where I can say I've had to walk back with the ball in my hand, looking at him like they painted on today, Alf. Or <laughs> you know, um, you know. And, and the great thing with Alf, and again, I sound like I'm piddling in his pocket, but else. Always, and I imagine still does, he's just always had the respect of all the players. Um, you know, and, and you see just by his social media uh, presence, you know, all the players, they, you know, 
in conversation and, and, and heavily uh, you know, positive with, with their communication. I, I mean, I got a tear in my eye when, you, when ALF was presented with the life membership for the, the CNS and, the, and the, the outpouring of, of congratulations and all the positivity. And I was saying to ALF off air, and I said, like, I've been around cricket circles my whole life, and I'm, I'm 46. I mean, there's obviously people been around a lot longer than I have. But I reckon I could count on one hand the amount of people I've come across where not one person could have a bad word to say about them. Uh, we had a bit of a chuckle with someone who might, but their opinion don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'll certainly on on that handful of people, just a good, genuine bloke. He loves the game. I mean, he's a, he's a you know he, he he loves the the history of the game. I, I admire his loyalty. I mean, and I'm the first to say it, like with suburban districts became a thing. You know, I, I chipped away at him saying, look, you know, there's a there's a home here for, of course. You know? And 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 the uh, credibility that would have given our competition with a, a guy like Al Bellison as one of our umpires. Uh, but to Al's credit, he's, he's stayed strong with the city and suburban. I've got nothing but respect for that. Saw him through to their 100 years. He's now president. Which, how long have you been president of the umpires? Uh, as, if I may, this year we're having our AGM on the 9th. That'll be six years. Six years as president and their 100th season. And again, with, with numbers not coming through and that, that's still kicking, that's yeah, that, that's something to be, be very proud of. So, um, yeah, I don't have really any stories or such, but I've certainly got a hell of a lot of um, pride. And, and I call Alpha Mate. You know, I, don't, I, don't, I, I can I, I can I can feel that through the Zoom call. I can see that the two of you get along quite well, uh, and and it's quite deep. There is, it seems to be mutual as well, which is really important. Yeah. Alf, give us a couple of cricketers that you've umpired at any level that stand out to you as being dead set special, and I mean blokes that have proven themselves top level blokes. Give give us a couple of names. Well. I can remember when City, City and Suburban was at its finest. Every Saturday morning, there was a write-up in the paper about Brett McCauley. Brett, Brett McCauley was one of those, probably one of the best all-rounders we've ever seen in Newcastle. I think he was, what, nine consecutive years, A-grade player of the year? Yeah. Like yeah he, the Herald to give him an award? He, he, was, he was probably probably the best I've seen, but there's been a few great ones. And I must say that Michael Varnum comes into that category. He's, he's a great player. From the Beaches Hotel, Dean Panowitz. Um, and what's what's the name of the captain of the side? Oh, Robert. Robert, oh, Blair, Robert. Robert Dan. Oh, Robert Dan. Yeah, well, he had a great career at Merriweather, yep. and yep. yeah, and uh, Peter Holmes for Tech. He oh. he was uh, he was dynamite at, at the crease. If you know Baldwin, you get a questionnaire for about half an hour. He was he was very fiery. Sean Easton. He was a good bowler. Swinging here, Phoenix. Yeah, several, several times he used to get me in the air aisle with his elbow. I had to move back or forward to save myself. I've seen that happening in an international game in Christchurch, actually. But Colin Croft actually meant to skittle the up on. <laughs> if you remember that, when we were caught, when I was a lot younger, um, Crofty was not overly impressed with umpire Fred Goddard and cleaned him up with his elbow, which wasn't very good. But anyway, um, that's the fun of some of the funny stories of cricket. I've heard a lot about Brett McCauley. I actually have from other people. Holy Absolutely. cow, he must have been a serious talent. Yeah. He was, he was actually, he's moved to Brisbane in the last, oh, probably five or six years or more, mm. more maybe. But, yeah, he was he was a good bowler, good bat. And um, probably, I, I have no doubt that he's, he's the best cricketer that I've seen in, in the city and suburban ranks. And there's been some good ones. 
Yeah. And he could he could have played first grade oh. if he chose if he chose to play two day cricket. Of course he could have. Yeah. yeah. And a and a great bloke. Yeah. Um, and his whole family, they're just lovely people. Alf, in the last, crickets rule uh, the laws of cricket and they've they've adapted laws, the advent of T twenty cricket. What what's are there challenges with umpiring now that you didn't face, say, a decade ago? Are, are there things? Are there things that strike you? You're a very decent gentleman, but are there are there, are there law changes that have made umpiring challenging for you? And one in, one or two in particular that strike you? Um, probably not overly. Um, in our competition, we don't allow man cats, uh, so that's that's got that out the way. But um, Respect for the umpires. When you when I'm umpiring NPL two, you have to fill out forms every week of all the players and ha how they treat the umpires and how they act on the field, plus their dress code. Uh, one good thing about NPL two, there's a standard rule: every ball down the leg side is a wide. Fair enough. No confusion. No confusion. <laughs> That's where the confusion is in Sydney suburban cricket, because you get one umpire to let one go two foot down the leg, and if someone pulls him up um, closer. Oh, that the umpire last week let that go. So we've got to have u uniformity. Consistency, yeah. yeah. We we do see that in suburban districts as well because yeah. Division 1 and some Division 2 games get an official yeah. and they yeah. official by the NDCA yeah. conditions where Div 3 down to whatever, 6, 7, 8, whatever the grading is per season, yeah. it's the batting team doing it. So it's what they think. And, and again, it's... You know a wide down the league side. Shays League stunt shouldn't be calling it. Yeah. It's yeah. And um no, but you're right. And I and I think that's all anyone ever asks for is consistency. I'm glad you brought up the man cad because yeah. that was something I was going to ask your thoughts on because it's something that's slowly crept back into cricket. Yeah, you know, I, I, don't, I don't like it. I don't like it, but again, <laughs> back to Renner's question earlier, is it any difference to the kit the best per run out? Mm. A batsman gaining an unfair advantage. Yeah. Keep yeah. if, if you're standing three foot outside your crease when the bowler walks in, it goes beyond the spirit of cricket because the batsman's cheating. Yeah. And the batsman's the one bringing the spirit of cricket in. I, I think that if, if sitting suburbans ban Mancata and everybody knows about it, great. I, that's fine. As long as it's a consistently done thing. I have no issue with that rule being in place, if batsmen are blatantly cheating, and let's face it, in T20 they do, I would have done it all the time because I was slower than a crippled ballistic missile submarine between the wickets. So I would have found any way I could. But, yeah, look, um, it's an interesting one, and I admire, you for, I admire you all for doing that and saying, no, we don't want that as part of our social competition. Yeah, well, I've had to chat several guys in the T20 that are actually trying to, you know, trying to steal ground. I said, look, when that bowler lets that ball go, make sure you've got something behind that line because if they keep doing it, you can warn them. You can start doing five penalty runs if you wish. But uh, I don't like going that direction. Usually after you warn people, um, they sort of get the gist of it. You let them know it's been noted. Don't turn the game into a debacle. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing with the umpiring ranks is now we've gone to e-scoring. You know, in past, everything was written down in the old Sydney Suburban books. Or book. yeah. Someone, someone uh, bowls a no ball. Um, it, might, it might graze the batsman's leg or something. You know, they're signaling no, no ball. But in East Grong, you can't write that down. You can't write uh, four no balls down. 
dealt a no ball, four leg buys. Okay. And and if you if you bowl a no ball and the, the battery uh, the batsman may run, well that's at sundries. And at our at our uh, AGM in a couple of weeks, I've got Claire Polizak coming up as, as our guest. We're going to shout a tea and everything. And after she does a little speech, she's just going to go through those little simple rules now that we've gone to e-scoring that we all have to be aware of for the extra runs you can score off a no ball. That's that's probably the main thing. And a couple of years ago, they changed the rules and then they changed them back. When I yes. did my scoring course, Alf and Dan, I failed the first my first event scoring course. And it's because that that stage, the rule was if you bowl a no ball, a front foot no, and they go for leg buys, they all went as no balls. And I yep. put them down as leg buys. So I yep. failed. But then two years later, yep. they resurrected the rule. So if it's no ball and leg buys, it's two separate calls, no ball and leg buys. Exactly. And it is, you've got to know what you're doing on live scoring to get that yep. right. And Play HQ has still got some little idiosyncrasies in it, let's say that. And it's yep. going to be interesting for people to, that's the one of the most difficult things is to how to do a wide and a stumping on the same ball. And then yeah. you do a no ball with sundries. So it, it, I'm glad you've got Claire coming up. It is an interesting one. And um, as uh, uh, luckily, I've done a, a little bit of scoring, and it, it is something that is a challenge if you don't know the rules. And luckily, I've got an umpiring qual as well, which helps. But it is when you, uh, uh, as I said, I score a little bit, and you, it is something that you need to be aware of. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I said, that's. We have to have all the umpires make the same call. That has to be uniformity. Then, you know, there's there's no whinging. Everyone, oh, there'll be whinging. I'll oh, there'll find be something whinging, else to whinge about. Everyone, <laughs> everyone to make the same call, and that's that's what we have to have happening. Saundo, have you got something to ask, Alf? Yeah, I, I do. I, I just want to backtrack. Um, I mentioned at the top top of the the show that um, Alf is a life member of the City of Cricket Association, and. Um, only last week was awarded life membership of the Newcastle Junior Cricket Association. I just wanted to um, just talk about that with Alf. I mean, to be to be a life member of one association or one club is an amazing achievement for anyone to to um, to get to be awarded. Um, I just want to hear Alf's thoughts, feelings on being awarded not not only that life membership for. The Sydney Spurn Cricket Association, but but also the Junior Cricket Association, because it's all well and good for people to be on a committee. It's another thing for be on a committee and actually do things. And Alf does above and beyond, um, especially now because the numbers are so low. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's a bit of a one man one man band. and get a lot of support. I know with like, uh, Steve Rafter with the the Sydney Spurn, but. You know, and, and this is the opportunity where I can maybe try and get a tear out of you. Well, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I want to hit how do you how how how's it made you feel? Um, I guess take it away. Well, the first thing I, I'm going to have to get a new a jacket that can take all the badges. <laughs> <laughs> but to be made a life member of Sydney Suburban, I had no idea, and uh, I've got to say I was crying up on the stage because I just had to make a speech about the umpires turning 100 next year. Next minute, they call me up, and there's a, a come up on the screen, life member. I thought, what the hell's going on here? And they made me a life member of Sydney Suburban. I've been with Sydney Suburban for 43 years. Uh, the last 27 years um, as an umpire, and in the last couple of years in particular, I've been working closely with Cricket New South Wales, um, uh, 
running the competition, appointing the umpires, and going through this new uh, Play HQ. And of course, there's Officials HQ, which we need. I'm the only umpire to sign up for it, so I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> and that Bede Satcher, which I think his name is, he, he, was, he works for Cricket New South Wales in Sydney. He, he helped me. He talked he talk me through it. He's a great bloke, Pete Sajewicz. He's a fantastic asset to Cricket New South Wales. And, Alf, a superb umpire. Yeah. He, he talked me through it on Zoom. So I'm signed up for all that sort of stuff. But, like I said, I'm the only one. And I'm very proud to be made a life member of Sydney Suburban. You know, I've, I've done over 600, 600 matches for them. Uh, and with the juniors, um, I've been in, involved with the juniors for probably the last six years. I've appointed the umpires to all their uh, carnivals, uh, Ronna Retz, Graham Malcolm. And before that, we were doing DCA and IDCA. I was sending umpires like Kevin Jarvis, Steve Rather, Reg Andershack, even Neil Smith to Sydney yep. every second week. But then uh, Cricket New South Wales took that over and made that youth championships. So they took that office and they also took office the uh, Molly Dive and, and the Market Peed. Yep. So now all we do rep-wise is we've done a couple of um, Philip Hughes Cup games mm-hmm. out at Pasterfield. Yep. And, um, yeah, but I've, been, I've appointed all the umpires every year to the carnivals and there, there hasn't been one game without an umpire appointed, which I'm very proud of. So you should and, be. Yeah, and there's like, um, what, eight, there's um, 33... 60, 70, 70 games or something like that. And every one of them had an umpire. And the semi-finals all had two. And the grand finals of the Ron Arentz and the Graham Malcolm all had two umpires. So That's fantastic. District used to help us. But in them days, we used to have a 50-over comp in the carnivals. So it used to be one of my umpires and one of Kim Norris's boys. You know, that yep. they were always helping us out. But when we went back to 40-overs, um, they decided not to not to join us again, and then we only went to one umpire. So the last, I think, the last four years maybe we've only had one umpire at these carnivals. But um, with with being so low in wrecks and Dave Stanbridge putting juniors through the course, it's a great thing for the juniors. It's a great experience for them, especially to come and umpire in the uh, Ron Arantz under 11s. And there's a few boys, uh, Archie Polar. Um, Eric Don, they umpired every game and they got 880 smackers at the end of the two weeks. And one of the boys' dads rang me up and said, oh, it's like he's won, it's like he's won the lotto, you know. He's getting paid to watch cricket. And all those boys, <laughs> they are absolutely fantastic young boys. And, and there's also a girl, Alyssa Wharton. They all know the rules properly and they're quite, quite good young umpires and I must say, absolutely love the young kids. And to see, to see them and help them on their way, and I do a lot of I do a lot of uh, school games as well. Uh, a lot of ex-players that are school teachers ring me up and school principals ring me up through the year. Uh, like I've done Junction Public for the last few years, Katara High School, Newcastle High School, uh, West Westy High. The, the principals ring me up and um, I think I only done seven games this year because uh, there wasn't all that many. But, uh, yeah, I like helping out the kids and um, I quite like umpiring too in the in the um, Ron Arantz and the Graham Malcolm because you see the best kids from all, all over the state. And as Jimmy Brennan said, the, the best one he's seen coming through the ranks starting the Ron Arantz was um, Jason Sanger. Yeah. Yeah. Great. There's, there's a great example to start with. And uh, 
there's lots of kids that are, are going to go on and equal that level. They're very good. At 11 year old, they were better than I was when I was 25. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. I, I, I go back. I, <laughs> I was, I was watching Jason Sanger play as a 13 year old out at a Wobber Oval in an under-14 semi-final. <laughs> yeah. uh, back when I was married, my stepson, Connor, he was playing for the Katara Tigers, or what's now become the what's very well, the juniors now. Yeah. Um, and I was sitting there on, on the side on watching and, and watching these poor old Katara Tigers kids bowl at this kid out there. And honestly, God, I wasn't sure if it was Damien Martin or Mark Warbatting, but it wasn't. There was a 13-year-old kid called Jason Sanger. And honest to God, and we're going back, what I'd consider I could still bowl a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Playing A grade. And I'm thinking, I want to bowl at this kid. Christ, he'll make me look very ordinary. Yeah. He, he was, I mean, it's no surprise Jason Sanger is where he is. Um, it'd be great to see him make the jump now from state to international. Just talking about young uh, cricketers, there's, there's a young female who's getting around. Yeah, I'm sure you've had the pleasure of umpiring. Kiva Bray. Oh, yeah. She is yeah. amazing. And yeah. I'll, I'll call it now. And I mean, I know she's, I believe, very involved with soccer as well. Yeah. Um, if she sticks with cricket, she will play for Australia. There's a few young she girls. She is unbelievable. She's only 13, yeah. maybe 14. And she's. A few young girls are oh, absolutely amazing. Cricket. Molly, Molly Dare. Yep. There's there's probably half a dozen of them and you think, oh my God, how do they get to be that good? Kate McTaggart. Watch, listen for that name. Kate McTaggart's Kate a McTaggart. star. Yep. She's a absolutely talented cricketer. Her um her brothers can both play the game. Her brother plays first grade for Renwick Burdisham. But Kate McTaggart will go a long way. Um, I can tell you right now. But yes, I've heard about young Kiva and she can she's a serious talent as well at, at such a age. And as I as I said before, off there, um, two thousand and three four, I was helping uh, Sean Marriott coach the uh, Yulinga girls cricket team, which my daughter Jessica was in. And one of the girls at Sean then, uh, she was only like uh, I think she was um, might have been fourteen, was uh, Emma Jane Howe. And now she's still playing at the top level and uh, as good as the boys. A nice segue for one of next week's guests too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Per oh. Per perfect segue. And Emma Jane Howe's had the distinct honour of representing our wonderful state at the Australian Country Championships. Uh, she has a sky blue jersey or a couple of them and a terrific footballer as well. I mean, outstanding. For, for such a small statured person, Emma Jane Howe is not a tall or big in any way. She's a superb sports person. She really yeah, my, is. Yeah, my, my daughter, Jessica, she's only like five foot three or something, but they, they played against each other. They were good friends, but they, Jessica was playing for South Cardiff and I think Emma Jane was playing for Toronto, they played at Rathmines a few years ago in the mud. And uh, Jessica's team, I beat them, I think, was five or six, five or six nil or something like that. Yeah, right. Emma Jones, she's a good soccer player as well. Yeah, and a good, a superb Australian rules player she's been and, you know, won medals and things like that, played representative footy as well. Yeah. Alf, it's been such a pleasure talking to you, it really has. I'm sure we could talk for hours, but we can't. Um, yeah. Dave, Dan and I are really privileged that you've agreed to come on our on our little podcast. We just want to say thank you so much. You've had your Dan, would it be fair to say that Alf's an ornament to the game? Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Big understatement. Correct. Um uh, Dan was very thrilled at the idea of getting you onto our podcast. And now that we've spoken to you, it's just been a real pleasure. I'd sit back here and listen to you tell stories for ages. Um, I'll talk for another week. <laughs> yes. I, I, heard, I heard that too. If you're talking more than, if you're talking more than Redden and Saunders, you're doing well, I'm telling you. 
Um, one's a gibber and one's a very astute cricket judge, and I'll let you figure out which they are, but I can tell you right now, Dan, Dan, Dan's not the gibber. Um, look, it's been an absolute, absolute privilege, um, uh, and I'm sure – listen, one thing I do want to say, make sure you get in touch with Alf, interested in umpiring, and you're interested in getting involved. Alf will be very happy to take a call, as he said tonight. When they need more umpires, and in, 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 and this isn't being rude, Alf. I hope you don't mind, but sure, I'm sure you, I'm sure you'll take a phone call if people are interested in getting involved in black and white and 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 standing behind the stumps. It was put on my website this afternoon. Actually, we're we're looking for umpires, and my email address is on the City and Suburban website. Um, it come up today. Yeah, I've shared that to the Cricket Newcastle page as well, and and it's both competitions: the City and Suburban and the Newcastle District Cricket Association. Association, all looking for umpires. Yeah, I think the CNS course is uh, late July, twenty second, twenty third of July. Those dates, yeah. And then Beresford Bowling, then the fifth and sixth of August, the NDCA are running their course. I believe at Central Leagues, but again, they they've been shared on the you know, relevant associations' Facebook pages. I've shared them on my cricket page as well. So, if anyone's yeah got any got the time, uh, and yeah, make a few bucks as well. But it's the best seat in the house and. Again, whether it's juniors and you're seeing tomorrow's superstars yep. unfold before your eyes, or there's know. nothing better than watching uh, under 11s perform because it puts a tear in your eye, and that's what it's all about. I will say one thing: there is one thing that's as good as umpiring, and that's commentating next to Dan Saunders because <laughs> it is a fabulous day. I can you, it, it really is a privilege. I, I'll, as soon as we get into a commentary box, it's it just works, doesn't it, Dan? It's such a privilege to do it with you, and I hope we get a chance to do more this year. I'd, I'd love us to be in a commentary box. It's usually a commentary fold-up table or a commentary. <laughs> true, <laughs> true. <laughs> Al, thank you so much for your time. We really want to thank you for giving up your valuable time. Uh, congratulations on all your extraordinary awards, especially your life memberships, and your amazing um, work in cricket over so many years. We just both want to say thank you so much and thank you for joining us. Thanks, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. Sorno, uh, we'll be back. Now, we're going to record on Monday next week, Sorno, due to Origin being on Wednesday. Yeah, and I mean... <laughs> Most people are probably thinking, uh, do the podcast Wednesday. It'll be more entertaining than game three for us New South Wales supporters. But, uh, yeah, next Monday night, the next episode will drop and we'll be talking local women's cricket with Emma-Jane Howe from Waratah Mayfield and Kirsten Smith, um, who's, yeah, last year's NDCA uh, Women's Cricketer of the Year. And I believe Emma-Jane Howe was last year's NDCA uh player of the final yeah. in the women's competition. Right, yeah. So they're both looking forward to coming on and, and they'll both characters, plenty of stories to tell there. And yeah, it's um, women's cricket. If there's one brand of cricket that's just absolutely taken off like wildfire, um, yeah, it's women's cricket. And in, not just in Newcastle. And, and I think 3.30 tomorrow morning is the second T20 in the Ashes for the women's Australia v England. Australia win, they'll uh, retain the Ashes with four games up their sleeve. Too many points ahead. Yeah, that's yeah. an odd system, but that's a conversation. Yeah, it's very strange. Yes. <laughs> uh, they, sh they, they should play the Ashes in test matches and give... I, I know the women's cricketers would rather play a majority of tests and because w the one thing that women's cricket needs is much more test cricket. And I just hope that in the evolution of women's cricket, because it's gone phenomenally over the last decade, that we start to see three test series in Australia and overseas and how all of... At least Perry has hardly played any test cricket at all. And she's one of the best top 10 female athletes Australia's ever produced. 
So, you know, that that's what I think. And that young lady, Beaumont, who made that magnificent double century for, for England recently, they hardly play test cricket. So anyway, that, that's an argument for another day. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. Alf, great to meet you, despite the fact you're wearing a bloody Ford jacket. Get a get him a Holden jacket, please, Dan. That's terrible. He's wearing the blue oval. Um, guys, thanks for your time. On behalf of Alf and Dan and David, we'll catch up with you next week. And it's a very special thank you to our fellowson. Bye, guys. See you soon.